0: Okay, we're just kind of getting back with this episode. It's a little somber. It's about what Justin and I have been experiencing now, like being three years into a relationship and,
1: and like five months into living together.
0: And five months into living together, about you know some of the more difficult things being faced with your, with yourself, but in relationship, we explore some of that and some of our personal struggles and um, it's good to be back.
1: More specifically, we'll talk about ADHD, hormonal acne, and movie one and movie two. Welcome to If I May Be So Bold, a podcast about relationships.
0: The ones we have with others, the one we have with ourselves.
1: And given that Dan and I are a couple, you're gonna be hearing about our relationship too.
0: I'm Dan Epstein, a recording artist, former opera singer and relational coach
1: I'm Justin Waring Crane a therapist recovering perfectionist and karaoke star I think it well it started feeling really bad when we sat down to work on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, I just felt like so like hopeless, so discouraged, so overwhelmed. In fact, I was just a little hungover. Um oh. And I knew that, but I still was just like.
0: You didn't mention that to me.
1: I know I didn't want to because I didn't want you to judge me.
0: For drinking?
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like there's less sympathy if it's like, "Oh, you're hungover," and like you did that to yourself like I don't think you would judge me necessarily, but I just
0: you didn't wanna make it you didn't want the conversation to be about your hangover,
1: yeah, no, I didn't want that, and I yeah, and I also like on some level like i I don't know if it was gonna maybe undermine my feelings or like maybe diminish. Like oh, like you're. you're I didn't really
0: get. Okay, so this is a conversation we had, where you were basically expressing that it was feeling not joyful to you to like do the prep and sort of due diligence work to make the podcast happen. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really want to engage with it you know
1: you didn't want to engage with my my meltdown well
0: i felt my my instinct was to like uh feel like i had to tell you why we should do keep working
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i didn't want to be in that position yeah
1: and i didn't actually want to hear that yeah so neither of us wanted
0: that what did you want do you think
1: uh i think just like i mean I wanted comfort from you, but I also think I just really needed comfort from myself and I needed to like go and like, you know, cry and just like be alone. And what I ultimately ended up doing was like going and doing yoga in my room. But I just like the feeling was like so big, you know.
0: Yeah, I I could tell.
1: I just couldn't like see past it. I just like couldn't do anything. So. Um
0: and then how did the feelings play mm-hmm. out through the rest of the day?
1: Well, it was funny because I had like I had my individual therapy scheduled for later that day mm-hmm. and my group therapy. Mm-hmm. So, I was just like in you know, I was getting all this support. Um mm-hmm. uh so it was it was cool to be like, "Yeah, like I have this support lined up, and but it it was just one of those days where I was like, "This is just something that's going to pass, and like, you're going to feel better tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, but in the moment, it's just like,
0: yeah, all-consuming. It
1: it's all consuming, you can't really do anything about it.
0: Yeah, if, and we spoke know? about this thing that I heard Martha Beck say. This online course I took from her, which isn't funny that I did that.
1: So why are it's you? Cool.
0: Laughing? Um I think I was trying to uh be invulnerable. Oh. Um, where she advocated that you want to um when you're starting to feel like really stuck, like basically when your emotions are coming up in a way where it's like, I feel horrible, you know, whatever that looks like could be anxiety. It could be despair and hopelessness that the first step when that happens is to, uh, drop any, what she calls value added activity. So like often we might feel like, Oh, I feel like shit. Like, okay, I'm going to be really productive, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I can feel good about myself or Mm -hmm. something. And she's advocating for the opposite, which is that make the fact that you're feeling some type of way be the most important thing that's happening right now Mm -hmm. and honor that that's important by not being productive and by stopping Mm -hmm. and like, I guess that would be creating space. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, that's... it's. I like that she says that and the I mean that's so aligned with um the training that I've gotten, you know, in my work as a therapist. We do what's called, you know, like regulation-based interventions, so mm. regulation comes first. So if you're having a big feeling, nothing else can get done. It's not even a choice of like, "Oh, I'm going to decide to to drop any value added activities. I'm not going to try to pay attention. I'm not going to try to problem solve. I'm not going to try to be mm-hmm. productive. It's not even a choice. You know, it's like just the way that, right. that your your nervous system is set up. You just can't mm. access these like higher level right. thinking processes. So I just really felt that in effect yesterday. And even though I have all this training around it, I was having such resistance yeah. to like stopping. I didn't, Want to stop, even though I knew I couldn't continue.
0: Hmm. I was
1: just like, I don't want to give up. I don't want Dan to see me as like not like cut out for this or like, um, like he's like driving this because I know you already like feel like that sometimes, you know, with the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, it was, I, and I couldn't even put in words what I was feeling because I, I was feeling everything, you know, all at once. Right. Um, and it was, Yeah, it was hell.
0: Yeah, I just yeah, and I think that you know the way self help, this the way self help books and media are positioned, I feel like people get an idea that or get the idea that like you're gonna get to a place where whatever comes up, you're gonna be like, okay, I know this one, like I know what to do, and then you know it'll feel like not hard. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I know. I I feel like even even. Though I learn and I read and I obsess over spirituality and self-help and emotions. Yeah, when the big feeling comes, it's like almost like, you know, you're a baby again. You Mm. need someone to be like, you know, give you a bottle and like put you down to to bed, you know, which you kind of did. You were sort of like, go like do what you need to do. And I just Mm. like really needed you to say that because oh. I wasn't like, I wasn't going to be able to do that for myself. You know, I was like, oh, I should just like keep going and, and keep trying, even though it's not working. Um, I should keep trying to be productive and just like push through this.
0: Yeah. Getting emotional just thinking about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know what exactly it was like. It was... You know, it's like all these layers of feelings. There's like the first layer, which is like, I feel bad. I feel hungover. I feel depressed. And then there's all the backlash emotions of like, well, I shouldn't have, you know, drank so much last night. And even though like Mm. it was super fun and I had a great time with my friend and, you know, just layers of like guilt and shame and then being like, okay, well... I need to be responsible, and this is my year of like being responsible and stepping up and like being more resilient. So, like, fuck you, be more resilient, Mm. you stupid loser, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. then it's just like layers of that, and then, you know, dealing with understand, trying to understand my ADHD.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of ways we could pivot from here.
1: Yeah, and that's, and that's also like the ADHD brain is like, Mm -hmm. like, Something happens and then you, your mind goes in a million directions trying to, you know, make sense of it or like, you know, it just sparks all these different ideas. And then there can be just, I think a lot of like stuckness and paralysis and confusion of like, I don't know how to make sense of this. And, you know, that's the divergent thinking happening.
0: Yeah. We're both reading this great book. Called um, "Your Brain's Not Broken" by Tamara Rosier.
1: Strategies for navigating your emotions in life with ADHD.
0: And when I read, she says that, like, you know, divergent thinking. People with ADHD are known for like leaning in that direction, being more divergent thinkers, which is like basically if you're thinking about a project, it's the first step of like coming up with a lot of ideas, like making a big mess. And then, you know, the convergent thinking is like, okay, let's pick an idea and execute a plan. Um, but, you know, um, having her name that, I think, was really helpful because I my brain does want to go all these different places. And I, I feel like often when it does do that, I am suffering mm-hmm. because... I'm like, fuck, like I feel so unfocused or something, even mm-hmm. though my brain is like doing something that it does naturally. Yeah. So it was good to have like a name for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's like real tension, you know, and it's kind of helping me understand um, why work is so difficult for me. You know, like people with ADHD, you know they try to do divergent and convergent thinking at the same time, or they're in a job where you know they, for example, um, in this in the book she talks about this, this doctor who's like an amazing diagnostician. He can think about all these tests that we should order and he can narrow in on a diagnosis and help his patients in that way. So that's the divergent thinking helping him. But then when it comes to doing his documentation and doing paperwork and admin stuff, he just doesn't, he can't do it. His brain isn't like set up for that. And, and so I think that creates a tension where we're trying to do both of those things, but it's just, it's really difficult and it's very tiring.
0: Yeah. What do you do? You want to keep talking about the ADHD thing, or do you want to?
1: Um, no, I I don't think so. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm feeling not too.
1: Yeah, It's just to put it out there that I'm, you know, recently have learned that I have ADHD, and it's such a relief, and it's also a lot of grief happening. Mm-hmm. Just knowing that. I've been living with this my whole life, and nobody, yeah, helped me identify it, and I had to be the one saying like, "What's going on?" and go looking for answers, and basically like, just
0: yeah, that's really common with adult diagnosed ADHD, which I also experienced
1: for women especially, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: The first step being like, "Oh, I'm go- I have to now, uh, grieve and imagine." ways in which I could have been helped and like ways I could have maybe suffered less or achieved more or something younger. Um, And it does change how we talk about stuff in our relationship. Just like now that we're thinking about it in terms of like, we are two ADHD people like who both struggle with some of the same stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, it is a relief to feel like, oh, I thought of myself as flaky and, inconsistent and unreliable Mm -hmm. and And even inconsiderate.
0: And I remember early in our relationship, you having a lot of angst over certain friendship things where you were really afraid to be thought of as like um, a fuck up in your friendships or something. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it makes me really sad knowing that I viewed myself that way for so long. Like what would life be like if I what would it have been like if I didn't see myself, didn't see, didn't think something was so wrong with me, you know? Totally.
0: So... I think let's talk about where we are in okay. our arc of like okay. cohabitation. Okay. Um, a lot of stuff there.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, you wanna, um, do you wanna do you want to start?
0: Well, I guess, okay, so just to feel like I'm giving it context. We moved in together. We got COVID.
1: We moved in together October mm-hmm. 2022. It's now March. March 2023.
0: And those first couple months were pretty difficult. I was going through a depression and feeling really not affectionate at times and like avoidant of Justin. And starting to have, experience what for me felt like really challenging, kind of like ugly feelings where I now have this partner who I have this trusting, you know, committed relationship with. We've made this choice to move in together. And it was an experience I hadn't really had before in that what I was doing was the ways in which I was, I would normally treat myself in a kind of mean way of criticism, judgment, ridicule, i was now feeling myself putting it on justin because i was in in your proximity more and like you know dealing with like the little things of like navigating our days with each other around and like, um, I was experiencing that as like impatience and yeah, judgment, criticism. And there was, and that freaked me out cause it was like, Oh man, you know? And then what I also think was going on was, you know, we at that point would have been together like two and a half years and I could feel that like the initial stage of a relationship of like falling in love and like the chemicals of that um, romantic love um, that we were not in that chapter anymore. And so I think I was also just grieving like, fuck, like I want to feel that way, which is like something I understand intellectually to be how it tends to go for people But when it actually happens, of course, it's not like the idea of it.
1: Yeah. And I think I don't want people to think like, okay, I don't believe that, you know, the honeymoon phase lasts forever. That's not what I think. But I don't want anyone out there to think that you sort of settle into this sort of like complacent and like dead Dynamic, you know, that's not mm, really what happens. That's a good point. Yeah, it's it just changes. It's like it really shifts, and then you have to get really creative about nurturing the relationship and how you can, you know, find new ways of of bringing excitement and play into the dynamic, which you know is something that we've started doing more of, Mm -hmm. um, sexually, but (laughs) I won't say, I won't say (laughs) specific, I won't say sexually, but it's been, no, no. I mean, of course I think, I mean, sex is a big place where I I think about that, you know, the physical attraction. Um, but you know, do you hear what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want people to think that, Oh, like you, you have the honeymoon phase and then you have just like settling into like, yeah. this is how it is. And like, right? and we're not attracted it, to each other. You know, it's like, I don't believe that that's.
0: It makes me think real. about, which is this genre of TikTok though, of like couples TikTok, which we're becoming pretty steeped in because we're learning how to use TikTok. Um Of, like, where the couple, like, the genre of TikTok is like, we're a couple, and like, basically, like, I want to fuck my partner all the time. Oh, you know, it's like, when my partner, like, like, it's like, like, a typical one will be like, oops, when my, like, when I, like, it'll be from the, if in a straight couple, woman's POV, like, when I, like, back up into my husband basically like when we're on our sides in bed and then it's like some like per, like sexual like boil you know like
1: That's so funny. I haven't seen those.
0: <laughs> Which is just like what like that? Yeah,
1: I don't oh, even the know. The message is like we're so sprung for each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's okay, so that's a that's definitely um a thing that people brag about, right? Yes. Like Yes. Oh, like, yeah, we just want to, like, tear each other's clothes off at all times. Um, And that's awesome. I, like, I really... If that's really what your relationship is like, that's amazing. Um, And I I don't think that being in a committed relationship or being in a long-term relationship means you have to give up passion, romance, excitement, all this stuff. You just... You're going to find that you're going to actually have to be intentional about right. how you cultivate it. And I, I don't have anything that's going to change, you know, the longer we're together. Things are going to, like, really change, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, like, our sexual dynamic has just, like... It's had so many chapters, I feel like, Mm -hmm. even in just, like, under, or I guess almost about three years. Yeah. Um, Like, it's, it's like you can kind of block it off into big chunks, but it's more, like, little chunks, actually, Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. what I can recall. Just, like, periods of feeling each other out, uh, not physically, like, uh, emotionally and, like, with trust, Mm -hmm. basically, Mm -hmm. where... I was avoidant for certain reasons at first and then I came into more trust mm-hmm. and wasn't was able to not be avoidant mm-hmm. and like be pretty in flow but then like you know there's a new thing that's happening mm. where now all of a sudden we're like playing with uh like in a playful way like saying no to each other you know like yeah. in a in a way that's like in its in its nature is like about yeah play
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: um, and it's been very surprising to me. Just like I wouldn't have been able to guess like how things would play out in that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, do you not want to share that?
1: No, I I I think I I feel comfortable sharing that. You know, I think I just in my own like spiritual journey, I've been trying to, um, we'll bleep that part out where I said spiritual journey. Um, I've been trying to, you know, I've been working on my relationship to my sexuality. And like, this feels like a really, this relationship feels like a really um, safe container to do that. And I think what our relationship has is a lot of safety. So mm. what we actually right are often bumping up against is like, okay, if it feels too safe, it's not exciting. If it's too yeah. safe, there's no tension. So how can we cultivate that? And, you know, sexually we're finding ways to do that. And it's fun, you know, it's... Yeah,
0: yeah. And we're also just in general, we're both people pleasers. Um, and it's been interesting because I feel like what the safety and trust does afford is now where I'm someone who hasn't really felt that safe in many relationships, even though I have a lot of close relationships, I'm often worried about um, hurting someone's feelings, uh, not being available. And it feels what's cool about having a relationship like I have with you is now we are like experimenting with what we kind of talk about is like being dicks to each other
1: mm-hmm. which
0: is like feels like a new frontier in a way
1: yeah it does i don't really know how that started yeah what do we do it's we like a kind testing of, thing yeah what i, I can't really is think of testing examples thing? testing what testing like women.
0: well it's like the the game is like testing, what if I do this? Yeah. And like, how does that yeah. play with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. It feels like that. And it's like, we're checking in about mm-hmm. it in a way.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: wonder if at some point we will just, like, go past that point.
1: Yeah. Um, and not need to check in about it, you mean?
0: Yeah. Well, like, the game will become more advanced, yeah. I guess, yeah. is what I'm imagining.
1: Get to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, like, for example, I might say to you, like, shut the fuck up like you're so dumb like and you might start talking and be like shut up you know and then i'll actually then after that immediately be like is it okay if we we joke like that you know yeah
0: exactly (laughs) but
1: um it's yeah it's been fun
0: yeah and i just think it's an interesting question for for oneself of like do i have relationships in which i feel embraced um to the point where I am in a state of play.
1: You know, I think that's like an
0: interesting marker of that. I like like that. I'm in a state of play where I don't have to think about like, will I be thrown out of the boat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I step uh, on the oar.
1: Yeah. I like that. <laughs> in a state of play. Who?
0: How are we doing mm. with your list?
1: Yeah, so I made a list of things I want to cover today. Um, We have line dancing, ADHD, hormonal acne. uh,
0: A potpourri.
1: (laughs) Lacking karaoke, because I haven't done karaoke in a while. I think you can
0: come up with a better turn of phrase for that one.
1: Okay, what would you say? Uh, Karaoke hiatus, karaoke Uh, drought, I think is what we're in right now. Drought, yeah, I like drought. Karaoke drought, okay. Okay. So karaoke drought, and then True Detective season one. What do you want to hear about?
0: What do I want to hear about? Yeah. Um. Okay. Let me check in with myself. I think we should talk about the acne.
1: Okay. The hormonal acne seems to be trying to come back, um, which is truly devastating.
0: Isn't it fun to have something that you're like checking in about your body with every day and feeling a sense of dread and like it makes you so feel fun. like shit every time you look at it?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It makes waking up so fun because it's the first thing I wake I think about when I wake up. I dread going to do my routine, so it's like I don't want to get out of bed <laughs> in the yeah. morning. Um So, yeah, it's it's hard to because just a little backstory I am one of those people fortunate enough to and you know I never struggled with acne um until I guess my late twenties um and that's when you know your hormones shift and so I went through hell, I guess now it's a couple years been a couple years starting in like twenty twenty one started having acne, um, just did everything I could, you know, tried everything. Um,
0: Do you, when you think back on like times where your peers had acne, but you didn't really, like how you related with acne? Oh,
1: hmm.
0: Does anything come?
1: I mean, I just kind of felt like, you know, thank goodness i don't have to worry about that you know <laughs> like, and so it's definitely like it really like fucks with you know my confidence it fucks with my sense of yeah um worth and sense of self um and on top of it i i healed it and was um not dealing with it anymore it went away so for for like a year or more I was like really in the thick of it and Mm -hmm. eventually culminated in I got my IUD taken out and sure enough you know that cleared my skin within three months and I know no way to prove that that caused it to go away but um that's you know kind of How I see it. And so, from like, let's see, August, September, October, November, December, January, for like six months, you know, my skin was like completely clear, like no acne whatsoever. And I was like, and thank God that that's over, you know, like Mm -hmm. that was horrible. And I never want to go back to that. And so, feeling like it's coming back is. It's just, it's like re-traumatizing, you know, because that was just such an awful time. And also like, not to mention so time consuming, so money consuming, like I'm still paying off like money that I spent, you know, Mm -hmm. in an effort to treat that the acne and so it's yeah it's really it's really a difficult thing to go through so
0: yeah and you spend a lot of time like trying
1: to care for your skin yeah and then had this time this six-month period of feeling like it's better you know yeah yeah so I think you know Appearance, appearance stuff like what's my relationship to how I look and like mm-hmm. you know I do get a sense of confidence from my looks um same so it's just like okay on a on a sort of a uh, spiritual level, yeah. you know, it's like I'm know that I'm supposed to be like, oh yeah, like this is you know all immaterial and like you know my essence it's is like it's, and, right yeah, it's like my essence is like beautiful and radiant and um, you know if I'm completely Buddhist or like not attached you know, not hinging my sense of worth on appearance, then, like, I'll be completely free of, you know, this prison. So it's, (laughs) so it's like, okay, I know that. Meanwhile. Meanwhile.
0: The whole world is telling you how you look is so important.
1: Yeah. 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 So.
0: Yeah. I totally relate. And, like, I'm struggling with that in terms of, reckoning in therapy with like having been chubby kid and then having my world turned upside down when I became skinny um and having everybody treat me so much what I felt like was so much more preferably which was like thinking I was good looking not everybody of course um but but, um it's like i was like okay so this is really fucking important i guess Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: when i felt like i wasn't good looking um i felt like it would make a big difference if i you know looked better in the eyes of others and then when i felt like i did that it did completely change yeah so like how the yeah how the hell
1: Yeah. Then you you get the feedback that, like, oh, no, this is the way that I'm supposed to be. And actually, it's made my life so much better, you know, and so much easier. So it's like, it's hard to argue with that, you know.
0: And then, like, of course, yeah, it's a real fucking minefield. Like, reading books, you know, like, what we don't talk about when we talk about fat and the fearing the black body. Like, these books that, like, make you just feel so angry about skinniness as power or like, you know, beauty as power, quote unquote beauty. Um, It's a real confusing thing to navigate with yourself when you're like, okay. But when I look at myself, I have this impulse instinct like of, do I like or do I not like, you know, and it is affecting me a lot Mm -hmm. in my confidence levels, et cetera. Yeah, I think I want to just give a little context, I guess, going back to kind of like the honeymoon period thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Movie one and movie two.
0: Yeah, which is something our therapists say, which movie one being falling in love, like the first, like... Wait, I just
1: want to shout out Amana and Krish of Learning Love Institute Institute in freaking Sedona, of course, I think. (laughs) Sedona, you think Arizona? Um, I think they're literally located on Sunshine Lane, which is just like I don't even know. Are you doxing them? Self-explanatory, but doing what?
0: Doxing them.
1: What's doxing?
0: Which is it's like I'm. Shit, I don't even know if I know exactly what it means, but it's like an internet term for like. Basically, like sending the Twitter mob onto somebody—it's like giving oh. out their info or being like, "Go get them,
1: <laughs> go get them." Meaning, go get your healing. Not, no, that—that wasn't how I should have said it. But like, go and like um, yeah. flock to them because they are so fabulous. But go on—you were talking about.
0: Oh yeah, so. Movie two, we're in movie two now, which is what we were kind of talking about before. Yeah. And.
1: So they, did we set that up adequately? There's this, they have this framework, which is, I guess, just, you know, their term for it. Movie one being like that blissful honeymoon part of relationship. Where,
0: you know, and I've heard that talked about by like um, F. Scott Peck, is that his name, who wrote that famous therapy book. Uh, the road less traveled, which is like, you know, relationship, romantic, euphoric love is basically a biological thing to make us reproduce and like partner up. Um, and that uh, real love is something that comes after that.
1: But I, I also just want to say it's really sweet how it like, I just really like those terms, like movie one and movie two. <laughs> like, it's so, like, simple. Because you would
0: expect there would be some more, like, spiritual sounding yeah. like term for it. <laughs> it's Hollywood, baby.
1: I just love that. I love it. Um, but, yeah, like, if, yeah, our friend Sarah, who we had on the podcast, she, she'll say... Sh- you know yeah, she'll she go, will
0: literally say it to you when we play the episode. Yeah, she, you'll <laughs> hear
1: this. But how like when she goes to Amana or Krish, these amazing therapists who are also a couple, she'll be like, oh, I'm so in love with so-and-so and it's amazing and we connect so well and it's like, mm-hmm. like so next level and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's movie one. Yeah, like yeah. talk to us yeah.
0: yeah, when we were movie two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's weird being a movie too. Like, I do feel like there was this initial grief period. And now I'm in this place where I still have, you know, stuff come up where I feel sad. um, And I miss just like that feeling early on when you're like, God, like I'm with this person. And like, when you're going to be social, like, God, isn't it so fucking cool that I'm with this person, you know? Like, Mm. and like, we get to then like go back and spend time alone you know like just like everything being new and mm-hmm. feeling so blissful i guess i feel like now like the things like for example the trying out being not people people pleasing with each other and like feeling the safety to be you know rude to each other you know in ways that are you know not manipulative. Yeah, no, no. Ideally. We're not actually
1: talking about being yeah. mean to each other. We're talking about being being mean in a in a way that feels like playful and fun,
0: right? And like feeling like I think you've changed a lot in there. Like you will come to me for emotional support more. Mm-hmm. Like early on in our relationship, you were really reluctant to do mm-hmm. it. And I still feel the same way that I did then, which is when you come to me and you like are vulnerable and need support, it makes me feel close to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's funny because I, I I, don't even, I didn't even realize that's how it was. Like I, because I feel like I needed so much support early on in our relationship going through depression. But yeah, I think I was still very yeah. reluctant to go to you yeah. for it. And it was scary because we were, you know, still developing that bond, that mm-hmm. trust.
0: And yeah. And, it, and I look at you, you know, in new ways, you know, because we are like, and the relationship is ever changing and going through different waves. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how to describe it, but I will say that like it is really important, I think, to cultivate in your relationship talking about what's really fucking going on. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't have that, I think I would be pretty miserable. Yeah, You know, like if I were in – if everything in our relationship were the same, which is like kind of an impossible exercise, but but like we – these things like if I was feeling off or like – if I'm feeling scared or like scarce about the relationship Mm -hmm. or something. And it was like, I felt like I needed to just keep that quiet Mm -hmm. and just like kind of hope it went away or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that would, I don't know how I would deal with that.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. You can't. So So even if
0: you're in a relationship and you've been in a relationship where you don't really talk about this kind of stuff, like, do baby steps. Mm-hmm. Like, try it with something small. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like this mm-hmm. food, whatever. You know, yeah. like, just talking about something that's going on, seeing where it leads. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like a major lifeline.
1: Yeah. I just remembered, like, within the last few months, you know, as we were settling into living together and I was experiencing really a lot of like contentment and just feeling like, yeah, like this is my new home and I feel really happy here. And, you know, I'm spending time with Rick and, you know, it's like have this the dog. The dog and like, you know, have this new dog in my life, even though I knew him before, but it's just like, you know, I'm living with him and he's like curling up on my bed and Um, you know, I have my room and I'm decorating that and yeah, feeling that sort of like nesting contentment. Um, I was really feeling like all my needs are kind of being met, like all my material and emotional needs are being met, um, without, you know, much (laughs) like going out into the outside world. Like I was, you know, going to work and, Still going to social things, but it sort of, um, I don't know, very gradually slipped into this thing where I had this realization maybe on drugs um, where I was like, oh, my God, I feel like Dan is kind of my best friend right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And I, because, you know, as we talk about, like, that's not what we want our relationship to be. Like, I mean, I do value, you know, the friendship and the companionship that we have, but I think, you know, I don't want, (laughs) I don't want you to be my best friend. Yeah, you said it to me too. And I said it to you, I was like, I feel like you're kind of my bestie right now. And I didn't like that. I was, I was then sort of like rocked by that realization And also I was like, okay, but I kind of know how that happened and I'm not, I just felt like it's so just automatically happened where like all my needs are kind of being met. So why would I, you know, go outside of this? But I think the answer is of course, because like, you know, in my other friendships my other relationships especially female friendships there's so much richness and humor you know That and that that you I don't get from you and it's and I'm not supposed to get it from you you know it's a different it's just a different connection so I don't totally track what um, you're saying well like there's certain I just anytime I'm with you know, a really good female friend, I'm reminded, like, oh, like, this is a different thing. Like, yeah, maybe Dan and I, like, laugh together and have a great time and have can have deep conversations and really connect, but there's this different flavor, you know, with a really good friend and, like, you know, gossiping and giggling and just, like, girl time. Yeah. Um That when I don't have it, I can be like, Oh yeah, yeah, then I'm fine without it. But then I experience it again and I'm like, Oh my God, like <laughs> I can't yeah. go without this, you yeah. know? Um, so I've been trying to reincorporate that. And, um, and also I'm in a time where I don't have a ton of friends, um, that I feel super close to. And I'm, you know, I have certain friends where I'm like okay I really want to nurture this relationship and I'm investing in it but I think in my 20s I was like had so many friends and I was like you know Mm -hmm. doing something social every night of the week and and that was really fun but um you know I'm kind of wanting to just have a few select few people to deepen with And that's our show. Thanks for joining us. Our music is by Nightlight. We self produce this podcast, so please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps.